All right. Hey, we just want to welcome everybody to Gracemont Podcast uh, number, oh, is it 13? 14? 13. 13. 13 tonight. So we're kind of into this deal. Who knows? We're, we've already gotten in some trouble, and uh, but yeah, we'll probably continue. And so tonight we have a very special guest, a very good friend of mine, Sarah Aikens, who grew up Catholic, and we're going to kind of kick that around a little bit tonight, talk about it, see what she thinks about all that, hear about her journey, and um, uh, without further ado, Grace Mott. Grace Mott. Grace Mott. Grace Mott. Grace Mott. That may have been the worst ever. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the worst. We need to just record it and then just plug it in there, but we'll, we'll do well, we're that. We're working on a real song. I just haven't worked we're, on it lately. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Hey, so here we go. So thank you, Sarah, for being here. I have a little bio I'm going to read. There's a lot of big words in here, so I'm going to try to say them correctly. Uh, but Sarah Akins is an architect in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where she lives with her husband and chocolate lab doc. Um, outside of architecture, Sarah is an avid runner. She is qualified for the Boston Marathon and routinely competes in trail ultra marathons. This summer, she will get the opportunity to race in the Leadville 100, which is a 100-mile race. Uh, Sarah is very involved in her community and was part of the Regional Food Bank of Oklahoma's leadership class for the 2022 class of leadership native Oklahoma and was on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame second century board. She is currently on the board of development for Cristo Rey Catholic High School and the state board for the American Indian Chamber, Chamber of Commerce. Sarah is a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation and will be a featured speaker on the topic of the empowerment of Native American women during the Chickasaw Nation's Chickasaw Ihu series. Did I say it right? You're pretty <laughs> well, close. Sarah, why You're don't you say close. it right? <laughs> okay. Don't ask me to do that. <laughs> uh, Sarah was born and raised in the Catholic Church and has two godsons. She is still a member of the Christ the Catholic Christ the King Catholic Church in Nichols Hills, Oklahoma. So let's welcome Sarah Akins. Yay! Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. All right. So uh, just a little backstory. Sarah and I have known each other for about, I think, six years, and we've been training uh, for about five years. I, th I think we've. I think you've made us a little younger. And I think it, it's been longer than that. Okay, I it maybe it may be ten years, but we <laughs> we have gone through many adventures together here in Oklahoma, in Texas, um, running in the cold, cold weather and the rain and thunderstorms and the whole deal. So I'm very excited to have her here tonight, and we talk a lot. Of course, what what do you say? Uh, you know, what happens on a long run stays on a long run, right? You know, because you kind of pour out all your your stuff so so i wanted to you sell all the world problems oh yeah and and then you you kind of get into your own personal details sometimes it's a little too far but anyway uh tonight we're i wanted to have sarah tell us a little bit about her journey 
I think you were born and raised Catholic and you have your own ideas about some of those things. So I just thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I um, I was born, I'm what you would call a cradle Catholic. Um, I have been Catholic since the day I was born. I was baptized as an infant, went through my uh, first communion in the second grade, got confirmed in high school, um, was a Sunday school teacher in high school, continued uh, to attend Catholic church regularly through college. Um, sometimes I would even have to walk there. Saturday night was too much fun. Um, <laughs> But, you know, never missed a mass, uh, confession regularly. Um, you know, I did all the things I was supposed to do. Um, kind of into adulthood, realized that I, I didn't necessarily agree with everything that was going on in the church, but still found quite a bit of solstice and peace going to mass every weekend. And I would say that's kind of uh, a little bit more where I am right now in my faith rather than uh, being the most uh, stricter you know, Catholic. Um, I think now as an adult, I can see a lot of the flaws in the church, um, especially the the modern day uh, church. The last few years, I think a lot of them have become a little more pre prevalent than they have been in the past, especially to me, um, just seeing the church kind of be silent on social issues that I felt like they had a uh, responsibility that they needed to speak up for a little bit more. Um, catering a little bit too much, especially uh, the church that I attend, catering too much towards people's uh, feelings, not making them wanting to feel bad about possibly not being a good enough person. Um, and before, right before I got married, I've been married to my husband for, uh, it'll be six years in September, and we were getting ready to get married. And so when you get married in the Catholic church, you have to do uh, six months of marriage counseling you do some overnight retreats. Uh, you meet you meet with your priest pretty regularly to make sure, um, you know, and I think some of the things that they do are really uh, beneficial. They make you go through financial literacy classes with your spouse, um, making sure that, you know, you understand how things like that work. Um, but, you know, where we had the most issues, and this was really where my, um, I don't want to say, this is where I kind of more started pressing against the church and I, I, you know, I, I feel like I probably should have spoken up about some things sooner, but uh, I think we're all pretty bad about not speaking up about things until they affect us more personally. But uh, right before my husband and I were getting married, the priest that was going to perform our marriage ceremony actually canceled our wedding three weeks before our wedding because um, neither one of us ever felt the pull towards biological children. Um, we both have felt a calling that if we decide that or desire that we want to be parents and raise children that we should adopt them um and the church was not okay with that they told us we were unholy that we were what is wrong with um youths in the church that um you know our marriage would never last we'd be divorced within two years that this the only reason for our marriage would be for procreation um and that's when i kind of a little light bulb went off for me because you know we have this religion that is so pro-life um that they would you know discourage young couples who fill the pool towards adoption um from from seeking that path and you know having their own biological children when that's you know that's not the conversations that i've had with god that's not the conversations that my husband have had with god and they're telling us that they know better and that we need to have biological children 
we're, we're not holy, we're not full of grace, and that we're what's wrong with the so world. I would, I would um, like to interject so something that, right here. You're not just making this up, right? They really told you that? Yes, I yes. Can't we had to that. go to the That's archdiocese. Crazy. We had to find a new priest to perform our marriage ceremony. Um, he, he, I mean, he simply refused. And I mean, I'm glad we didn't have someone so full of hate do our marriage ceremony, but uh, it was it was very traumatic, especially for someone who had probably at the time I was almost 29 years old. I could have counted on two hands the amount of times I missed mass in my entire life. Um, you know, it, it, by all ways I was doing everything right as a Catholic I just did not want biological children um I have never in my life felt that cool and so for someone to tell you that you're wrong that their their relationship with God is more important than your relationship with God was pretty pretty startling and you know before then I, I had always felt that the church's views on some other uh subjects especially LGBTQIA people was off um but really and i hate to say it but when it started affecting me that way is when i really pulled the wool off my eyes and started looking into um you know we shouldn't be using religion for hate and that's what i felt like they were doing with it so the the priest that you uh originally counseled with how did you was he a part of the church that you attend now or no, he was a part of the church that we got married in. So oh, we got married okay. in the downtown church yes, and um, St. Georgeville Cathedral. And so they had a different tr priest. And so that priest um, was the one who was going to do the marriage because that's his parish. Okay. Um, and we ended up getting uh, one of my childhood priests to perform the wedding. Okay. So they had uh, had a, most of the issue was just not having kids, right? Or. Right. So before you get married in the Catholic Church, you have to do your counseling sessions and you also fill out like, I don't know, it's a four or five page compatibility questionnaire that they then send to a psychiatrist to review, to put their opinion on whether or not we are compatible. Right. So are your, were your, are your parents Catholic? Yes. Yeah, so my um Mother and stepfather are Catholic, and my father was raised Catholic, but he's no longer Catholic. Then your siblings? Um, neither one of them, I think, would be considered practicing Catholics. My brother probably attends Mass every once in a while, but I think that's just um, more of him because uh, he stays with my parents. And so uh, here again, if I get out of my lane, say, eh, I don't want to talk about that, but now— <laughs> Wade is is who is your husband? Is yes. he Catholic? He is not. No, and so Catholicism does not require conversion for spouses. Okay. Okay. All right. So then, so do you still go to services to mass? I do. I do. Okay. So you have like where, so John Luke and me and we. We're kind of in a Southern Baptist right now. We call it church services, but I guess Catholics would consider that mass. That's like a, and then so you do that a uh, couple times a week or it's Sunday. It's just once a week. Once a week, Sunday morning. They have yes. Saturday night mass too, right? Correct. Yeah, it's general. So traditionally, it used to be after sunset on Saturday, but now I think they're at like five or six p.m. Okay. 
So even with this kind of, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your, where you're, where you're going away from the Catholic teaching, even with that, you're still okay uh, attending the church and yeah, so I actually stopped going for a little while um, just because I couldn't bring myself to go. Um, you know, a lot of that came from right about the same time that we were, you know, being told how awful we were for our ch- childless, you know, our choice not to have children was about the same time that all of the um, uh, molestation charges were coming to light. Okay. And I just had a really hard time. Uh, attending a church where I was the problem yeah, and not all of the leadership that had been taking advantage of young children. Okay. All right. Okay. So you kind of mentioned this a little bit just about, so I guess you would then consider, so, so where do you think the Catholic church has gone wrong recently? I think well, I, th- I think like recently, um, because the Catholic Church is so old, um, I think we can consider recently, even as far back as the 1980s, when a lot of these um, uh, molestation charges were being, uh, I guess, not the charges, but the actual abuse was happening. Right. And now, so I think, you know, anything that man touches is going to be um, soiled because we're inherently bad. We're greedy. Right. Um, we're power hungry. And so I think that, you know, the church has a lot of those same characteristics, Right. you know, especially, uh, I have a really hard time with something, you know, I think the fact that father Stanley Rother is going to be canonized as a saint is amazing. But do I think that spending a hundred million dollars on a shrine to him when people are suffering, you know, to, there, people are having trouble putting food on their tables, and the church is supposed to be a place that supports people for that. But instead, we're dumping a hundred million dollars into a sanctuary. That's been a thing in the Catholic Church for ages. I mean, if you you tour Europe, you see those huge cathedrals where all the money was spent on that instead of feeding the poor. Yeah. Right, and you know, all of that that was a form of propaganda back then because people couldn't read. Right. And so they would build these Catholic churches and they would put the, you know, the gargoyles and the demons on the outside and the depictions of beautiful uh, Garden of Eden and heaven on the inside because when people couldn't read, that would be the way they would tell them, oh, if you're of the outside world, you're bad. If you're inside, you're saved. Um, and so, you know, that's really what the churches used all along to get people to make you pay your tithes and... Um, that, that I think is, I have a huge problem with that. One of our podcasts, we had a couple guys on and both of them, when they were younger, they were Christians because they were afraid of going to hell. That was the main reason they okay. were Christians. And that's not why you should follow the teachings of Jesus because you're afraid of going to hell. Right. And that's, that's a tool that's been right. used by the church forever for money and power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've liked to think sometimes I've broken out of that, but you know, I still <laughs> on that day I'm gonna be like, Okay, God, I hope I got this right, you know. So <laughs> Right. So let me ask you this. Have you ever considered any other like faith? Have you ever I haven't, um and no you know, I there there are aspects of Catholicism that I do hold true. 
and that I do find comfort in, um, especially the main one, the, the main thing that separates Catholics from Protestant is the Eucharist and transconfiguration. And I think it's a beautiful uh, ceremony that we have, and it, it's something that brings me a lot of comfort. And so for me, my thought process among thought process as to why I would stay Can with I the Catholic churches. Would, I don't know yeah. what those are. Okay, so uh, the Eucharist is, and transconfiguration is, um, so every Sunday at Mass in Catholic Church, we have communion, and that's the, the giving of the Eucharist. So what Catholics believe happens during the prayers around um, getting ready for communion is that Jesus Christ himself actually enters the bread, actually enters the wine. So you're consuming him every week rather than a symbol uh, of okay. him. Um, so, and that's the big divider. So if you ever go to a Catholic church, especially on a holiday, you'll see signs that ask you if you've not received the sacrament of communion, please do not take communion because the Catholic church considers communion much different than a Protestant church would. I didn't know that. Okay. So, and so, and sorry, uh, sorry, really quick. So the reasoning of me not wanting to switch religions is, you know, the Catholic faith, my Catholic faith is something that I truly do love and find comfort in. So for me, it seems better to stick around and try to have a positive influence on it rather than leaving. Okay. So one thing that I, I've known about you for a long time is you identify quite a bit with your the Chickasha Nation, uh -huh. correct? Do you have any... Yeah. Uh, thoughts about there because they do they have a faith like a so most mo a lot of native americans are either christian or catholic because of colonization um and because of residential schools up until the 60s if you were native american you didn't really have a choice but to send your child to these residential schools that were run by the catholic church okay um so that that is a tricky relationship um, I think because of the way that I grew up, it's a bit easier for me to separate the two. Um, but, you know, I I do think that it is, you know, I think that there are apologies and reparations that the Catholic Church still owes Native Americans. Okay. Because, I mean, essentially what they would do in those residential schools, Preston, I don't know if you know, they would take your child, they would beat you if you spoke your native language, they would cut your braids off, you were not allowed to have any contact with your culture, um, and they would basically, the idea was that they would try to civilize you right. into um, assimilating into white culture. Nice. Okay. Uh. Yeah, right. And, you know, right now they're uncovering thousands and thousands of little children's bodies from these residential schools that they weren't properly cared for by them and so the children would just die and they would never tell their parents they would just bury them in the back of the residential school well i grew up in a town with uh, a lot of kiowa kids and uh, uh -huh. i i see you know the political stuff and the different groups complaining about how they were treated they don't have anything to complain about compared to how the native americans were treated that but there aren't <laughs> enough native americans to complain like at uh, at the level that right, the other right. groups complain about, uh, you know, and I think it's it's important, you know, not to try to compare tragedies. I was just saying, you know, that that's a complicated relationship between 
um, especially the Catholic Church and Native American tribes as a whole, just because um, of things like residential schools, colonization. I personally, um, you know, I understand that that's a tumultuous relationship and it's really tragic. Um, and I think that the Catholic Church does need to do better and make those apologies and, you know, possibly whatever they need to do to make it right with um, the specific tribes. Like, um, you know, I can't really speak on behalf of everybody, but I do know that there is some uh, resistance, especially now that people are feeling more comfortable coming out and speaking out against things. Um, and now that they're finding all these poor little children's bodies at the residential schools. Yeah, that's all right. That's something I don't know anything that's about. Something that needs to needs to come out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, they found thousands, thousands of bodies. And so, okay, so let me back up here a little bit. And this is, so why did they kill them? Um, they would usually either be killed, they would be beaten to a point where they didn't survive the beaten beating, or they would get a disease. Because they had too many children in there, um, they would get uh, the um, the respiratory illnesses, and you know they weren't really worth their time, so they just bury them in mass graves in the back. And this was because they resisted the conversion. This was um, you didn't have a choice. If you were above a certain percentage Native American, they would take your child to the residential school to uh, aid in assimilation. Huh. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty that's pretty significant. I had yeah, no the, idea. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, there's still a few that are open to this day, um, but they were pretty much in operation till the '60s. Huh. Okay. Well, that's. I I had no idea. I, I honestly don't quite know how to go forward from there, but uh, you had, But I have. I have some ideas. I have two more okay, questions. Okay. Yeah, you okay. Got more questions? You go ahead and ask them. Okay. Yeah. So Sarah, uh, you are pro. L-G-B-T-Q-I-A, which you may have to help me with all of that. Okay. And that's not necessary. How do you reconcile those two positions of being Catholic and so pro? Don't try to list them all. <laughs> it's hard okay. for you. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So for me, I think our job on this planet is to love each other. It's not my job to understand what God thinks is right or wrong. For me, if the greatest sin that you committed was loving another human being, I think we're going to be okay. Um, you know, and having having friends who are part of that community, having family members a part of that community, um, just getting to know that community helps helped a lot in my understanding. Um, just because, I mean we're all created in this, I believe that we're all, you know, we're all created in this perfect image. So how could you say that someone's true deep feelings that they felt their entire life are any more correct than mine or incorrect than mine? So that, as far as I understand, that is not consistent with Catholic doctrine, right? The, the Catholic doctrine is there is no room for sex outside of procreation okay okay so that would eliminate um you know homos the homosexual uh queer population right because there is no procreation there that would eliminate my marriage from being something okay. that the catholic church recognizes um and so for me 
that's one of those things when I look into what the Catholic Church says versus what I believe Jesus is actually telling us when we're learning about these things is it's not my job to know whether, you know, what someone is doing is right or wrong. It's my job to love everyone. Right. And if you're saying you love, you know, if you're a woman and you love a woman, then good. That's more love. Um, If you are born in skin that you don't feel matches the way that you feel inside, okay, yeah, cool. Right. What do I need to help you with that? Um, You know, because we're all just here to live our best lives, and it's my job is just to love you. That's kind of a Grace Mont principle right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I have a little thing that I've been thinking lately. So the, the whole thing about procreation, you think about it, a couple, uh-huh. whatever, same sex, different sex, whatever. Let's let's go with the opposite sex marriage, the traditional opposite sex marriage. So, say they have two kids. So, of all the times they've had sex, procreation happened twice, and they might okay. have sex ten thousand times. If if the guy had anything to do it, it would be. 50,000 times, you know, but anyway, <laughs> so, so say it's 10,000 times and I say sex is really more recreation than procreation because that's, uh-huh. and it's pretty stupid. Well, it's not, oh, I shouldn't say stupid. We don't say that at Grace Month. It's, it's, it doesn't <laughs> fit with what I see or what makes sense to me. One of the, the Grace Month principles is if it doesn't make sense to you, you don't have to believe it because if that keeps you from following the teachings of Jesus because it's something that doesn't make sense to you, don't don't let that get in your way. And to me, right. saying sex is only for procreation, I mean, that's if you are a believer in evolution and have evolved to do that. And if not, then God made it to do that. But also, he made it fun. And, and so yeah. right. it's... It's recreation more than procreation. So that's my little thing. And so so on top of that, also, the Catholic Church is, um, you know, they do not believe in any use of contraceptives. Yeah, that's what I kind of, I kind of remember. And that I don't fully understand that. Uh, But to go. Especially because they they allow natural family planning, um, which would be, you know, uh, tracking your cycle, tracking your basal cell temperature. Um, uh, you know, they allow for that, which to me is essentially contraceptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, okay. So you could, like, when you're not very fertile, uh-huh. you could, like, say, okay, I'm going to get with my husband. Is that, am I saying that right? Or Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they teach. Hey, and the other thing I was thinking of was, uh, you know, a sexual relationship there's a in there a huge bonding sort of aspect of that like if you're with your husband and just spending that time intimately and and there's that like we're growing together we were sharing this very intimate part of our lives with each other it seems like there would be a great value in just building the bond of that marriage you know uh of that relationship so but i don't i don't fully understand that so Okay, so here's, uh, so you are pro-choice, mm-hmm. which also is not in line with the Catholic teaching, correct? Correct. And so I am 
kind of have an interesting, I think, relationship with saying pro-choice. Okay. Um, so for me, I do not believe, for me, okay. that if I were to fall pregnant and there was nothing, complications, nothing wrong, that it would be immoral for me to have an abortion. But I do not believe that my religious beliefs should dictate anyone else's decisions about their own bodies. I also come from a huge place of privilege. So it's very easy for me to say, you know, had I gotten pregnant at any time in my life, I would probably still be exactly where I am right now. Right. Um, so I don't think that one, my choice of belief system has anything to do with any other woman. And two, I don't think that I really have lived a life where I can decide for other people right. Uh, what's right for them. So let me ask you this. So a lot of your thinking and a lot of your ideas and your are are not are not consistent with the Catholic Church. I, I mean, you, a lot. A you're lot about to are. get off on something else. Can I ask? I want to comment more yep. on the abortion. Mm -hmm. yeah. So okay. th this is. I I told you the Grace Mott principle. My personal opinion as a physician, I've I've watched both sides of this, and I've taken care of patients on both sides of the issue, and something that. I just hate is how the two sides twist the whole story because it's horribly painful for the women one way or the other whether they decide to have right. an abortion or to not to have an abortion. Nobody wants it's, to make it's that horrible decision. Cause, you, know, you if you choose to have an abortion, I I've talked to women who you know, they're like my age and will still have tears on their face when they think about the the abortion they had cuz and think about what that baby could have been. And then I see, you know, women who have babies that they don't want and it stretches out their skin and drop makes their boobs sag and, and they might die and it and it it uh, okay. stretches out their parts, you know, so they don't work like they used to. Right. It, it it and it gives them high blood pressure maybe for the rest of their lives. It can do all kinds of stuff, but nobody from either side gives you all of the information. They just have their spin, and they're really working really hard on their spin, and that frustrates the crap out of me as a doctor that, that young women uh -huh. who are faced with this decision are not given all of the facts from someone who is neutral. Right, and nobody wants to make no. that decision. I don't think anyone goes into it lightly. And so why on earth would I want to make someone feel guilty about that? Sure. I, I know one I know one young woman, I talked to her about her experience. She went to an abortion clinic, and it was a horrible experience. It was a horrible decision she'd had to make, and there were protesters out there that she had to walk through. And yeah. and that scarred her even and worse. That's not. Yeah. That's yeah. not loving anybody. You know, you're meeting someone on their worst, the worst day of their life, and you're making them feel even more guilty when is you should say, hey, what can I do for you? What do you need? Um, you know, do you need? Do we need to go get a meal after this? What What can yeah. I do for you? Apostle John Luke and I do the same thing. We take you know our the teaching of our church, and we we're kind of going like this. What do you have anything that guides your uh, your foundational concept of like morality as you as you go? as you navigate through this life 
in these decisions? Is there some kind of foundational something that you're using to make these decisions? Yeah. So I would say, and I don't know what the verse is because I'm Catholic, so we don't know verses. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, God is talking and he says, you know, someone has asked him, you know, what, what is the most important thing? Right. And he says, uh, you know, first and love, the, love is the most right, important yep, thing. Yep. First and foremost, love your God. Yeah. Second of all, love others. Love your neighbors as yourself. Yes. Love your neighbors as yourself. So for me, that is the most important thing I can do. My goal is that I don't want ever, I don't, I don't want anyone to leave feeling bad about themselves, feeling like I have placed some sort of judgment on them because of decisions I've made in my life. Right. You know, I want to be the best ally I can be because to me that's showing love, that's showing up for people that are disenfranchised. That's, um, you know, holding the hands of a woman who maybe had an abortion that, and, you know, helping her support there. That to me is showing people love and kindness and actually, um, you know, acting as Jesus would act himself right? that, you know, and don't get me wrong. I fail all the time, but those are like my guiding principles is that for me, it is more important to let someone know that they are loved than anything else. Okay. We've been that. What would Jesus do? We've been talking about doing some videos. What would Jesus do? One of us, one of us is going to just dress up like Jesus. And the other one's going to be the interviewer. And so we, we've talked about what would Jesus, if Jesus, the real Jesus, not the one that's Never. been created by all these different religions, but the real in-person Jesus was here. You, it would be so cool to be able to ask him questions like, that. what would you do? What would you really do in this situation? And so we're talking about doing some right. short videos and making them fun with where one of us is dressed up like Jesus. So. <laughs> we, you could come up with some questions for us for if you yeah. think about a question you would really like to ask Jesus if he were here today. So while we have Sarah, we have just a few more minutes I, to 40, 45 or whatever we're going to go. But I thought I might throw out my idea to her for our video, mm -hmm. see what she thinks. And we may incorporate you in this. <laughs> It, it, but here, but here's the deal. So we were thinking about doing a little something to kind of uh, promote our podcast. So the video starts where, uh, and it says this is going to be a, a Sunday school promotional video. And so the first scene, John Luke's behind the scenes, and he says, and action. And I'm there in like garb, in like, you know, New Testament garb. And they bring up. These two guys in the New Testament guard bring up, it would probably be you if, if you agree to do this, but you don't have to. I'm just kidding. Anyway, and they said, Jesus, we found uh, this woman caught in adultery. Should we stone her? And then I would I would say, what about the dude? And right. and the, the guys kind of break character a little bit, and they go like, what is what does he mean? And I said, I, I mean, she was with a dude too, right? And in the background he goes cut <laughs> and he says what are you doing i said i was just wondering about the dude i mean why why is he not a part of this story and then um he says man don't worry about the dude you know he said just do it just go by the script so that you back out bring you back in you know jesus we found this you know action and and i say 
yeah, but who who are you doing this with? And and <laughs> says cut in the background. Then the next scene is he says, hey, have you ever had questions that maybe you weren't supposed to ask in your Sunday school class, or maybe you just never even thought about? We'd love to have you okay. part of our podcast where we try to bring up ideas and new ways to think about religion. And so that was he. That's mostly his idea, but I just kind of threw some stuff in there but so we're just talking about doing the quick little you know uh, shorts like to to promote it we yeah both fancy ourselves we are old (laughs) farts but we fancy ourselves to be somewhat funny so we think that's (laughs) he's the no i think it's i think it's good because especially i think that like i think that as a whole we've gotten so far away from what this all should actually be right yeah like we've and it just is so shocking and saddening to me seeing so many people who call themselves christians and all of this and i mean they would turn jesus yeah, away absolutely you know the something that got me started on this several years ago is a friend of mine who we're going to try to get on the show in the next week or so she had me watch this video about this guy that said hey he's a preacher he said if you're troubled with you know you can't buy everything that's in the Bible. Well, you know, up until 325 AD, there wasn't a Bible. And and Christianity grew like wildfire without a Bible, just from hearing the stories and being told Jesus died for your sins and was raised by God, went up to sit with God. That's all you had to believe to be a Christian back then. You didn't have to believe all of the stuff in the Old Testament. You didn't have to be circumcised. You didn't have to do all this stuff. But that's what's really started me thinking, why do I have to believe all this stuff that doesn't make sense to me when there really is a very small amount you have to believe to be a Christian, and you even have to believe less than that if you just want to follow the teachings of Jesus. Right. Well, the, the whole weaponizing of it is just, I saw something, and I think I told it to you the other day, and it was, you know, the the most uh, amazing transformation that I've seen in this millennia is Jesus going from someone who gave food and comfort to the poor to this weapon that we use to ignite why there's millionaires and billionaires because they deserve it. Yeah. I even heard someone say the other day, they said, religion is a really nice tool to save us from a religion. (laughs) You know, it's just... (laughs) You know, because so many religions are fighting and infighting, and then we go to religion to find comfort, you know, that God cares for us. So, but thank you so Wait, much. Before we go, I want to know can you think oh. of it? What can you think of something you would like to really ask Jesus if he were here today? Does anything just come to mind? I mean, this is probably not the right thing to say, but like, I feel so confident in that. My beliefs and love are the right direction to go in, but I would want to make like I wouldn't even want to ask him about that because I can't imagine him saying no. (laughs) But I, I mean, I think a lot of questions would why, 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 you know? I mean, how did we get here? How did we get to this point where? People are weaponizing you. Like, how, when, I mean, and I feel like it's just taken a turning point in the last five years. 
but why why is this happening that's a good that's a really good question i i have a vision of i've i've thought one of the questions that i would ask jesus is tell me your thoughts on homosexuality transgender and all that stuff tell me your thoughts on that and i guarantee it i mean I don't know what Jesus would say for sure. I imagine Jesus would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? What? Like, they're, just, they're just people living their lives. And this is, this may not, I mean, it's, it just seems so, like such a, for, for the people that it affects, for, you know, LGBTQIA, transgender people, it's everything. But for everyone else to have an opinion on how those people live their lives and think that morality lays in that is just, fascinating to me that they think that you know a person's decision to change you know to to change gender to match what they feel inside would be on jesus's radar yes so the the one thing i was going to interject was is that john luke is well traveled he's he traveled all of the world and he's been a real kind of not guide for me but just a a good like hey what do you think about this but he and i went to Italy and we were in this little town. I think it was, it was either Arezzo or Siena, maybe Siena. And we came across this torture museum. And this... Wasn't it an old lady's house? Siena. I went to a torture museum somewhere in Northern Italy and it was in no, some old was, lady's this house. This was well, in a shop in Siena. Yeah. And, okay. Which tells you how ubiquitous this may be. But uh, it was like three stories of all these devices that they were using. And John Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of that was to encourage non-believers, those outside of the th- that religion, to conform. Was like like trying to like the witch like the witch trials of you know to to use those types of pressure unto death to conform to that to that faith whatever their faith was, was at the time was you know? and so yeah well oh, it, yeah, I'm it was sure also it was to to make women be quiet women that spoke out okay. too much got tortured the the things they would do to them oh. were sick to say the least yeah oh yeah. It, it just it was eye-opening it was like Golly, I would be a believer too back then. I would have been like, "Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. None of that. I, I got you." So totally. Before we go, yeah. you got to show me your guns. Oh, oh, oh nice. There nice. you go. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had guns. Yeah, like that. yeah she's. I, I oh, grew up a okay. swimmer. <laughs> well, CrossFit. She's involved in yeah. CrossFit, yeah. and she's she's like totally disciplined when it comes to her training and so uh but yeah she's she's a force to be reckoned with and and uh, and a good friend and someone i learned a lot from and has influenced me in a lot of ways and so uh, so what do you think there john luke we've been about 45 minutes it's probably about enough unless sarah has something else she wants to say no i appreciate you guys letting me come on and be the no, weird you Catholic. It, you yeah. make it better. We we want to have uh, Muslim we wanna, people yeah. on here. We, we want to yes. have. We want to understand. Yeah. We, yeah, just like yeah. how to. I think, and I think that's just. I think we only get better when we understand each other better, right? Right. That's yeah. That's what. 
something that I saw happen over my lifetime. You know, the the relationships among the races got better in in our lifetimes until about oh 2000 to 2010 somewhere in there they started dropping off again and, and I don't I don't know. I think we we fear what we don't understand. And what I what I was going to say is the most effective thing I've seen is something I heard Chris Rock say on a joke video one time was get a white friend. So, you know, when <laughs> white people and black people go over to each other's houses for dinner and stuff, they start to understand each other better and, and understand that, Hey, they're just people. Let's, let's love them. Just like everybody. Yeah. Anyway. Buffalo. So I want you to come up that with was... some, some questions for Jesus. Okay. I'll work on all right, that. That's all I have. Hey, and then, you know, you've got to know, we'd love to have you come back and maybe, I don't know, in a few weeks or whatever and just be a part of it again. But no pressure, yeah, no pressure. just let me know. Yeah, it's fun to, like, talk about this stuff. So, all right there, John Luke, what do you think, buddy? Uh, this is episode 13 of Gracemont, and we've had fun. Thanks for being with us, Sarah. Yay. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yay.